We're well into this series now, the, the I Am series. We've got it bold enough there on stage, haven't we? That's memorable. And we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. And there's seven in total that come in the book of John, which is one of the four Gospels, one of the, the four accounts that record the, the life and teaching of Jesus. And they come at the start of the, the New Testament. And each of these I am statements comes fully loaded with biblical significance. Especially when we realize that they're directly connected to who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Because these are statements that Jesus made about himself. I am this, I am that, I am the other. This is personal, this is him, this is his self-revelation. And at the end of it, you're left in no doubt that Jesus was saying, I am God, and the only way to God is through me. Hugely controversial to his first century Jewish listeners, and still a huge challenge to all that we know as Jesus' 21st century listeners. And the ground that we've covered so far, in the first week, Jesus' statement was, I am the bread of life. And most of us enjoy bread. We know that you break it to eat it. In the second week, Jesus' statement was, I am the light of the world. And we all, when it goes dark, we turn on the light, which reveals everything that is there. In the third week, it was, I am the gate. And most of us have walked across fields and opened gates and know that we need to if we're going to walk through and enter into what lies ahead. These are familiar images for us. But that is just the first reading, using what we already know. And with what we're doing here in this series, we're wanting to reveal what, what lies beneath these statements of, of Jesus, at the same time as making it relevant and meaningful for us now, irrespective of whether we've been reading and studying our Bible for years or this is the first time that you've ever heard it. And now in week four, the statement that Jesus said of himself is, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Again, it's fully loaded with biblical significance. And this for me isn't new because of what I do with being a, a pastor. I've thought on this for a, for a number of years. See, the term shepherd and, and, and pastor can be used interchangeably. And I've carried these thoughts through into a, a talk and it has become more of a, a personal outworking of what I've sensed God has been speaking into, into my life. And the question, the question that's behind much of what I'm going to say next is this. If Jesus is, if Jesus is who he says he is, the good shepherd, then how? How are we led by him? I mean day to day, week to week, how are we led by the shepherd? in a very grounded, normal type of way. And in answering this, I've got some experiences, some sheep and shepherd experiences that I want to tell you about. And these experiences, they aren't flashy, they, they aren't churchy. They're experiences that we could all have. And we could all sense God leading us in them. Then there are Jesus' own words and teaching and the, the biblical theme of, of shepherding that runs all through God's story as he, as he calls the people to himself and leads them like sheep through dangerous times and rugged landscapes. And all this starts as most of my days start with children's TV and a series called Mist. Anyone into that? No. 
There are four, four or five series of mist that follow these sheepdogs and their friends. And we were fortunate enough as a family with my two children, Emily and Jay, to go and see David Kennard, the shepherd, along with his celebrity dogs working the sheep down in Exmoor when we were holidaying down there. And coming into this talk, I thought, I thought if I'm going to speak knowledgeably on the Good Shepherd, I need to immerse myself in the world of shepherding. And David Kennard, the shepherd there, he's written a book. It's called A Shepherd's Watch. This is it. And it follows him, David Kennard, through the seasons, starting in autumn and going through winter, spring and summer. And like it says on the back, it's an affectionate and honest account of what he does. And I've got to say, as I read this book, at least in the first third, I was disappointed. And I questioned myself on that, such a hard-worked and and well-written book. And to be honest, it was down to me. It was down to my approach. See, I had come at it wanting to get the the headlines, 10 top tips for, for shepherding, so that I could move it from the fields and into the church and deliver it to you. But I wasn't getting that. It wasn't written like that. It was much deeper, much richer. And I had to to slow down. Stop looking for for quick fixes and experience it for what it is. And David Kennard, he's become a, a hero to me, a shepherding hero. Not in a children's TV type of way, but as a courageous, compassionate and resilient keeper of sheep. Whether it's hot sun on on his back as he's shearing hundreds of sheep or whether it's sub-zero temperatures and he's he's breaking the ice in a snowstorm so that the sheep can drink. From the early hours before the, the sun rises until late at night and even in lambing season through the night, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, the shepherd never stops thinking about, never stops caring for his flock. And that is how the book is written. David Kennard, he isn't going to make any headlines. There aren't any quick fixes for sheep, apart from one or two sheep proverbs, like a sheep's worst enemy is another sheep. And sheep are shown up as unruly and headstrong. Their behavior is often predictable, but they don't know what's good for them. And the shepherd has to demonstrate tough love. And I've learned that shepherding isn't a job. It's not a career path. It barely pays the bills It's a a lifestyle, a calling, a a life-giving. So when Jesus speaks in John 10, in John 10, starting in verse 11, and he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You think, yes, that's right. That's where it's at. The shepherd's life is totally given to the lives of his sheep. They are interconnected to the point where it costs, where it's emotional, where it's painful and sacrificial. And then Jesus, as he continues, he creates this this contrast between that of the the hired hand who is there for the paycheck and that of the good shepherd who is there for the sheep. And this contrast is about what happens when there is a threat to their lives. And again, you get it in John 10, continued in, in verse 12. Jesus says, the hired hand is not the shepherd. And does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, the flock scatters, and the man runs away because he is the hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. For me, and I know that I'm biased here, but the good shepherd, 
It's the strongest, most powerful picture of who Jesus is. It's the one that reveals most of his relationship to us, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he knows us in our unruliness and headstrongness, that he will protect us from the enemy, that he would give his life for us. As a family, not only have we seen David Kennard and shook Miss Paul, we've got a place, a a semi-regular day out to Hatton Country World. And back a, a month ago they had lambing week which as you would suspect is a week where the shepherd gathers the moms to be the ewes the female sheep into a marquee where they can be viewed not only in the day but all through the night on the internet with lamb cam on the day we were there as it was getting to the end of the the afternoon we went into the marquee and realized excitedly that there was a lamb on the way But use as much as this one was panting and having contractions. They do things in their own time. And I spent an hour and a half staring at the rear end of a sheep. (laughs) During which time, every five minutes, the ewe would have a contraction and the, the lamb would have a look out and then return back again to the warm. Finally, as much as the shepherd had been telling us, you don't interfere with nature, he got bored and he decided to pull the the ewe down right in front of us. He put his gloves on and started stretching the ewe's rear end, which was the lamb's only exit. And, And in a moment that was equally beautiful and gross and left the children speechless, (laughs) the lamb came out in a surge of bodily fluids. What was it? What was it that I was learning from this experience? How was the good shepherd leading me? Patience, maybe, not to interfere, probably. That new birth was incredible, yes, but more than that, that along with life comes mess and the shepherd has to be prepared to get his hands dirty and after the first lamb there was a a second and the shepherd did something of an internal to get that one moving and for me the longer I go on as a Christian the more remarkable God's searching for us becomes seeing Jesus our good shepherd if we call him that God was prepared to get his hands dirty I mean really dirty He was prepared to to enter this world, assuming all of our humanity and to teach and to eat with so-called sinners and to heal and to show compassion and to love beyond barriers. And that is exactly what God still wants to do through us. Not to be distant and removed, caught up with our holiness, but to be up close and personal, right in the midst of the mess of humanity. And with this picture, the most powerful of images of the shepherd, it wasn't Jesus who was first to introduce this to the Jewish listener. It came out of their history as rugged and agricultural people. In fact, every leader was thought of as a shepherd, and, and they as people thought of themselves as sheep, ready to be led. And it is remarkable when you get time reading in the Old Testament that when God got his man to to lead, he didn't use him until he had taught him how to be a shepherd. There was Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses and David. 
Was it the sun on their backs? Was it being out in the cold and the dark? Was it the sleepless nights? Was it spotting and then fighting off the the wolves? Was it recognizing the weak, the vulnerable, the helpless, and then caring for them and loving them back to health? It was all of that. It was what they learned out in the fields, being in the midst of the mess, facing the rigors of nature that meant that God would entrust his people to them. I run, I run. For me, it's the easiest, cheapest, and most spontaneous exercise that I can get. And I enjoy it most when I am on holiday because it means that there are new routes and and new views. And last year in in April, we were on holiday in mid-Wales in our trailer tent on a site called Forest Fields, which is surrounded by steep hills. And I couldn't resist. The the trainers were on and, and I was off. And I regretted it at first as I was gasping for breath, running up the hill. But as it leveled and and opened up, I was hit by an incredible view onto the Welsh hills, which up to now had been the sheep's domain. And they were all spooked by this luminous yellow-topped runner who just appeared. And I had a a loose navigation technique, which was to keep the campsite to my right. Other than that, there were hundreds of hills and thousands of sheep tracks. And what struck me after 30 minutes of running, along with an increasing sense that I was lost, what struck me, and if you don't remember anything else in what I say, then this is it, was the question, What do you find when you follow a sheep track? What do you find when you follow a sheep track? The answer, you find another sheep track. And then what do you find when you follow that sheep track? Answer, another sheep track. And then another, and then another. And sheep tracks out on the hills, they don't lead anywhere. I know, I followed a lot of them. And I think, and this includes me, I think at times... We, like me on my run, can have our heads down in society following sheep tracks. And sheep tracks don't have to be bad. I'm not necessarily talking about sin here, doing things that are wrong. It may be that. But it can also be following what our society has decided is important. Or even following our own agenda for our lives which can become, it can become a whole list of distractions and diversions, technology, relationships, fashions, entertainment, the latest things that seem important, almost essential and fulfilling for a while, but can prove to be sheep tracks, leading to other sheep tracks. And we can be constantly in the act of either getting lost or being lost if we don't lift our heads up. And I don't, I don't, and I'm sure none of us want to get to the end of our lives and feel that we've never really been ourselves, never discovered who we were made to be. We've only followed other sheep, other tracks. And what Jesus did when he called himself the good shepherd was to call us to him no more following sheep tracks only the shepherd and as we follow him he will cause us to be most fully 
ourselves. He will take us back to the original image, the most Jesus-like version of ourselves, and that is who God created us to be. Jesus in John 10 continues in verse 14, and he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. There is a sense of God knowing, of God listening in all of us. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. If we can get off the the sheep tracks and onto God, we can know him, and we can be known by him. Eventually, I I came down off the hills and ran through a a farmyard, avoiding an an angry dog who was equally spooked by my luminous top. And I headed back through some trees, only to find my route blocked by a a boggy stream. I figured a, a leap would do it onto the other bank, but it wasn't a bank. I landed and sank. And I must admit, I thought, oh, poo, and I was right. It was the runoff from the sheep on the hill. And I did start to think this was more dangerous than I wanted to admit. No one knew I was here. I was sinking. I was a worrying distance from anything that looked any firmer than what I was already in. And to add to that, I was now down at the level looking across at the skull and the ribcage of a dead sheep who must have found the bog a couple of weeks before me. Fortunately, once it was up past my shins, there was something firmer. And leaning forward and using my arms as well as my legs, I was able to progress through it. And I arrived back at the tent 15 minutes later with lots of dried on mud and sheep poo to impress the children, but not the wife. (laughs) Although, and all I can say, all I can say about that is if you don't know where you're going and all you're following are sheep tracks, then don't be surprised if They lead you off the hill into an even bigger mess. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he made a a controversial claim. And his Jewish listeners, particularly the religious leaders and teachers of the law, wouldn't have missed what he was implying. Basically, he was running them down, their care of the flock. They were acting like hired hands, in it for the paycheck. Whereas Jesus was claiming what he knew to be his His rightful place as God's shepherd, the the good shepherd. The shepherd under which we all become sheep. And he backed it up. He set the measure of what that meant, how how we would know that the claims about himself were true. In John 10, verse 17, again, Jesus continues. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus was expecting to die, to lay his life down willingly for the Father and for the sheep. Now for me, it is people who follow through on what they are saying when they're faced with defining moments that make the overwhelming impact. And for Jesus, that defining moment wasn't too far off. Most of you will know what happened to Jesus. Those same leaders and teachers couldn't take it any longer. They wanted him dead. And Judas, one of Jesus' own, stepped forward. He was ready to betray him, his master, with a kiss. And the method of death was brutal with crucifixion. And Jesus did, in a very real and 
graphic way, follow through on what he had said. He laid his life down for the father, for the sheep, for me and for you. Jesus laid it down only to take it up again. And this Jesus is alive now. We can know and be led by God's son, God's shepherd, the good shepherd. Back at the the start of the year, it was Tuesday the 7th of January. And I can tell you that because I was journaling at the time. I'd gone over to to Waisley Park, which is where I go on occasion to get out of the office, to to clear my head, to, to think strategically, or not to think at all, but to give God time to do some thinking for me. And then for me to try and listen, see if I can sense what he's saying. I was in the, the barn there where they do the hot food and drink. And I try, if I can, if it's free, to get the table next to the, to the log burner. And I'd been sitting for a, a while wrestling with God in my writing over something that was significant for me. And I didn't know how close God was on this one. He seemed very silent. And I, to be honest, was, was getting tired, worn out with the questions and the, and the asking. Now, my... Lunch was on the table and I, I paused for a while and I, I looked up at a, a board that I had seen before. I looked at the, the picture on it with a, with a sheep staring back at me. But I'd never read it. What turned out to be an explanation for the place name. And it, it told me that Waisley, Waisley comes from the Anglo-Saxon and the word breaks down as Waisley meaning sheep field. And the realisation came that as much as I am a pastor, I need pastoring. We all need pastoring. We all need a shepherd to to lead us. And without me knowing it, God had been bringing me here to this sheep field, to Waya Lee for a good while. My Lord, my shepherd was pastoring me here. And he broke me while eating my parsnip soup. And anyone watching must have thought they'd over-peppered it as I filled up, sensing that God, that the shepherd had just spoken. And I had, if not heard his voice, I'd certainly felt his closeness to me. Me as as a pastor. All of us. Whatever our profession, our training, employed, unemployed, retired, housewife, house husband, whatever you are, whatever you do, all of us are only ever under shepherds to the good shepherd. And mostly we're sheep. Mostly we're sheep in need of a shepherd to lead us. I know that I am. And we can all speak to the shepherds, we can all listen, we can all know his voice. And we can feel his closeness. Looking back, looking back at the top of the information board, it was titled Waisley Grasslands. And to be honest, in this urban, concrete, hard living, fast paced environment that we live in, we all need to spend more time in the grasslands, reimagining our sheep and shepherd relationship with our God. Psalm 23 is an awesome piece of writing. Whether you are a Christian or not, you will probably know some of the words, some of the pictures out of it. 
And I've come to realize, especially through pastoring, that people have a desire to hear these words. They bring comfort, they bring courage, they bring hope for, for what's ahead. It's written by David, who was one of God's shepherd leaders in the Old Testament. And David's childhood was, was spent out in the field as, as a, a keeper of sheep. It was where he learned his music, where he learned his fighting skills, where he built up his character, his physique, his, his leadership. More than anything, it was out in the fields where he first sensed and then learned to be led by God. And Psalm 23, more than any other psalm, seems to capture the, the shepherd heart of David and the shepherd heart of God. It's almost as if David could see ahead to the Jesus that I've spoken of. And for us now, as we think on Jesus, the good shepherd, it's these words written over 3,000 years ago that I want us to listen to and I want us to respond to. See, these words have movement. They have movement like a, a shepherd leading the sheep. They move us through fields, past waters, into valleys. They place us in the grasslands and then on again past earthly landscapes into heavenly places. And Psalm 23 can be heard in movements. One or two verses that, that sit together and become statements about where we feel we are at, what we are personally going through. And I'd like us to respond to this by listening and then going from sitting to standing as we hear a, a movement a, a statement that speaks into where we feel we are at and don't feel compelled to stand because the person next to you has stood this is about your response to the statement in the psalm and if you're not a, a Christian but you are up for it you don't need to believe in Jesus to want to respond we all have a, a capacity, a desire to experience God, even to hear him. So again, just stand when the words connect with you. And when I read, the Lord is my shepherd. It may be you stand because you need to know you've got a shepherd. You're done with following sheep tracks and you want to follow God. And when I read, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It may be you stand because you're just tired. I mean, really tired. Life is too much at the moment. Going too fast. And the thought of lying down, knowing that God has you covered, is so appealing. And when I read, he guides me in paths of righteousness. It may be we stand because this is about living right before God. We all get it wrong sometimes. Sometimes in a big way. Sometimes in lots of small ways. It's still wrong. And we need to be led on a different path. And when I read, even though I walk through the valley, I don't want to downplay this one, underestimate this one, where life may take us, the valley where there is death and where there is evil. It may be you stand because you need to know that the shepherd is closest when it gets darkest. And so the psalm continues on, movements, statements that reach us. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and love will follow me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And that's where we're going with this response. So let's close our eyes now. If Luke and the team could return. Let's respond to this with our eyes closed. And if you are able, 
to stand when this psalm, when a statement out of this psalm, when a movement out of this psalm connects with you. And let's try, if we can, to do it with our eyes closed so that we can use our minds to reimagine our sheep and shepherd relationship with our God. And once I've read this through and once we've stood in response, we're going to sing the 23rd Psalm together. Psalm 23, it says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rods and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.